Hello and welcome, everyone. You, me, the listeners, that tree over there. We, as we learned in prior episodes, trees can hear us. Yeah, something like that. Hello and welcome to Funk Radio. That's your host, Kyle. Hello. And I'm your host, Peter. And you are the listeners, as you might have guessed. And we are the world. We are the children. So, Kyle, I don't know... I don't remember exactly how I thought of this topic recently. Um, I think... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think it may have had something to do with our 250th episode. We were talking about famous podcasts, uh and we talked about that one podcast called Serial that kind of does like i don't know what you call it like cold case murder um, true crime sort of explainer stuff. yeah true crime explainers and whatnot um and i think this topic may have spawned from that yeah maybe i i actually don't remember but you know the, the timing would that would that make sense um yeah so we've never actually done you know like a, like a crime conversation well you know way back and our earliest episodes we did one about um uh singers sam cook? S- singers who died prematurely and sam cook was the one that i remember from that oh, who was actually yeah like yeah. really mysteriously murdered and i want if there's enough on that to do an episode it might actually be interesting to d- dive into that one a little bit deeper because i know we kind of did an overview i know there's conspiracies around that um crime as well so there might be yeah but you know when you're talking about music especially in the last couple of decades and crime and murders and stuff. Really, I think the big one that I can think of, I don't think there's any other ones as big as this, were the murders of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls in the 90s. We're actually going to cover this in a two-part episode because, um, and we can talk about this in a second, Kyle, but I didn't realize how incredibly complex it is. To the point where I was going through periods coming up, like working up these episodes being like, I don't even know if we can do it because there's so much. Mm-hmm. But I think we've kind of, I've been trying to pare it down into something that's uh, digestible here. But yeah, to, to cover the to cut the, the log line, I guess you would say of this topic is um, both Tupac and Biggie. Um, obviously, I think most people know that they were two of the biggest names in rap um, ever, really, but especially in the mid 90s. And in the span of about six months between late 96 and early 97, both of them were separately gunned down and murdered um, by unknown assassins. And uh, neither of those cases have officially been solved. And so the investigation officially and just people's theories overall have kind of continued on and off. Um, for the past, what is that, roughly 25 years. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly compl- complex. It's super fascinating, too, really, if you have even, like, a fleeting interest in this kind of stuff. Um, and I, uh, I'm i glad that we're doing this. I, You know, we've never even, like, really mentioned it, to my knowledge, on the show. Uh, yeah, aside from, like, in passing, like, oh, Tupac, he did. Something I wanted to kind of lead with, I guess, is you know you and i just talking really quick like how much we knew about this before going into it i i didn't know i mean again i know they both died i know that there was a rivalry between them and that people on either side of that rivalry pretty much blames the other for the death of their preferred rapper i guess Mm -hmm. aside from that yeah i didn't know like how it happened when it happened where it happened I think I, I think I knew that Tupac was shot in a car, but that's about it. I was trying to remember because, uh, as you said, these murders happened in what ninety six and ninety seven, respectively. Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember, like, if as a kid I could remember this any news about it, but I don't. I would have been yeah. six or seven years old, so I really would probably wouldn't remember anything. Yeah, I wasn't really up up on the current events of gangsta rap. The first big news event that, like, I as a kid could like remember being a big deal was Columbine. Oh so. uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, so in, in terms of how much I knew about this going into it, probably about as much as you. Um there's very vague 
points. Like, I kind of knew they both were killed, like, somewhere in the 90s. I never really, I certainly never knew any of, like, the details about either of those. And, um, yeah, I mean, and you kind of know that it was part of the East Coast, West Coast rivalry of the mid-90s. But beyond that, like, I really didn't know anything. So I guess it's safe to say that we both went into into this fairly fresh. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, this has been really fascinating to kind of learn about. And uh, I hope you listeners enjoy it as well. Something I will say also going into this is that, like I said, we're going to be paring this down quite a bit just to make it palatable <laughs> for everybody and just so that we don't spend, you know, 10 episodes doing this. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to cover every single detail that exists about this case, but also there's a lot of different theories floating around. Since these were never officially solved, there's no like agreed upon necessarily string of events and people involved. So we know we pretty much know what happened with a good amount of confidence, but officially there's not there there wasn't like a court case or anything that really said okay this is exactly what happened. Um, so we just, we I just wanted to go into this uh, without understanding. So f- for part one, um, we're gonna go uh, largely into basically introducing some of the characters in, in this story. And go, really stepping through the timeline of events that led up to the murders, but also the details of each of their murders themselves. And then in the next episode, part two, we'll be going into the investigation half um, after the murders. So, that should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a documentary, Kyle, that I had recommended to you. Uh, I know you're largely through it. Yes. The film is called Murder Rap Inside the Biggie and Tupac Murders. Uh, that was directed by Michael Dorsey. I think it was f- about four years ago or so in 2015. You know, this is by far not the first documentary or film that's come out about these murders. But I think it's potential. I mean, depending on what you believe, this is the one that has the most concrete evidence and like backed up theories about what happened. Mm-hmm. And who you'll see giving most of the information throughout this film is a guy named Greg Kading, who was the LAPD detective who led the task force uh, after the murders and really came across a lot of the information that we know about this stuff. Now I was trying to look around because, you know, with a documentary, you can never be too sure. Like, Oh, are they really trying to spin something or not? Um, I didn't see anything that was really of people saying like, Oh, this is bullshit. There's a bunch of holes in this story. There's other documentaries about this that do have those issues. Um, But I think there are probably almost no one else who's more qualified to talk about this than him. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like this is pretty solid material. And a lot of what we've pieced together um, in this and the next episode are kind of based on that documentary and uh, Greg Kading's findings. So, So I guess getting into leading the discussion of why the cases are so controversial and um have this reputation uh if you will um for one both obviously were violent murders of celebrities that took place in public with a lot of people around like these weren't done in secret like a lot of people saw these things happen like we kind of skimmed over already um these represented kind of the height of the east coast west coast rap rivalry in the 90s so really things were really heating up with that and this is really kind of i think the peak uh, more at least in terms of like the public view this was mm-hmm. kind of the peak of that whole thing there's a, like i said there's also a lot of mixed theories about what happened and conspiracy theories especially you know a lot of people s- suspect or pretty much know that the rivalry between the la based gangs uh the crips and the bloods were involved in these murders pretty much from the beginning a lot of people have blamed the lapd for killing tupac and biggie and there's a whole conspiracy thing about how they orchestrated it either on their own accord or actually like teaming up with the Crips or the Bloods. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, th- I think just because there's so much we don't know, I-, I think that has kind of led people to just go crazy with theories and everything. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of movies made about this topic. There's been a lot of books and just speculation online, you know, even, you know, in the news back in the day, but also now like, you still see plenty out there. So there's a lot of speculation, uh, a lot of theories based on flimsy evidence and stuff. So uh, 
I think that makes it a little bit more difficult to cover this. I think there's just so much that it's hard to really have a singular story surrounding this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I guess before we start getting into the timeline, I thought we should probably go kind of just do a crash course on some of the big names you'll hear throughout the story. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle, I don't know if you want to um, tell us about some of these people. Sure. Yeah. Um, so obviously uh, this is mainly involving Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls. However, um, another name that you should probably be aware of is this guy named Suge Knight. Suge Knight was actually the CEO of um, Death Row Records, which was an L.A.-based recording studio uh, that featured a lot of really famous artists from, uh, I guess you would say, the West Coast rap scene in the 90s, including, as we mentioned, uh, Tupac Shakur, uh, Snoop Dogg, mm-hmm. Dr. Dre, among others. Um, and Tupac was one of the uh, main acts uh, that Suge Knight signed uh, to Death Row Records in 1995. Mm-hmm. Now, subsequently, Death Row and a lot of people affiliated with the studio were closely associated with uh, Los Angeles's Bloods Gang, which was, and kind of still is, uh, a major gang that operated heavily throughout the 80s, 90s, and 2000s in the L.A. area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Suge Knight, basically, for lack of a better way of describing it, Tupac Shakur's boss. Yeah. On the East Coast side of things, uh, there was a rapper named Puffy Combs, uh, who you may know as Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, I don't know what the hell his name is now. <laughs> and the, the rapper formerly known as Corn Puffs. Yes. So, um, Sean Puffy Combs was the founder of Bad Boy Records, which was based in New York City. Basically, Bad Boy Records was kind of like the the biggest uh, East Coast studio, whereas Death Row Records was the biggest West Coast studio, hence the initiation of the rivalry between the East and West Coast, I suppose. Yeah. One of the main acts at Bad Boy Records, uh, Puffy signed uh, Biggie Smalls in 1993. Oddly enough, the crew from and the the people associated with this record label uh became closely associated with la's crips gang now peter just so i can fill in some holes for myself sure were the crips at all um operating in new york or how did they how did they come to be associated with them in la that's something i was originally trying to figure out too i to, to my knowledge i think what the deal is is that like the bloods and the crips were both in la but it's kind of it was like the enemy of my enemy kind of thing yeah, exactly. Because like, since the Bloods were associated with Suge Knight and Tupac and the West Coast gang, mm-hmm. when you know Bad Boy Records and Com- uh, Puffy and Biggie and them started to come out to LA to record stuff from the East Coast, I, I think it is largely like you said, like enemy of my enemy sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So the Crips started, you know, rolling with Bad Boy Records, if you will. I think it's entirely possible that like, so we're going to, we're hoping that introducing with some of this is going to help people understand. But I think as we go through this, people are going to be like, wait, who was the bad boy records? Who was mm-hmm. Suge Knight? Um, that's kind of unavoidable just because there's so much going on, but I, I figured we would lead with some of this. Um, so basically Suge Knight, Tupac, West coast, Puffy Combs, Biggie Smalls, East coast. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go ahead and start going through the timeline of events. Um, as I was putting this episode together, I was thinking, oh, we'll just walk through the, you know, the details of each of the murders. But I quickly realized, oh, there's actually all this context that we have to go through first that really mm-hmm. leads up to those. Otherwise, they'd, they're kind of meaningless. Yeah. You could say that things really started to kick off in uh, November of 1994. So this was almost two years before um, these murders happened. Uh, So November 30th, 1994, um, Tupac was visiting Quad Recording Studios in Manhattan. Now remember, he's from the West Coast. And um, he he went there to this recording studio with his manager and a friend of his. Um, As they were approaching the elevators, they were approached by this gang of masked robbers who eventually uh, beat them up and robbed them. And they shot Tupac five times. Mm-hmm. 
by coincidence, Puffy Combs and Biggie Smalls were in that same building at the time. So Tupac was like, oh, well, you know, these guys were obviously behind it. You know, they try to put a hit out on me or something. Mm -hmm. But it was it was uh, was later found that actually they had nothing to do with it. But he still didn't. Tupac didn't trust them after that, regardless. And uh, I guess I didn't really go into things before this, but I, you know, I heard that or I think there's some understanding that Tupac and Biggie, if they weren't friends earlier than this, then they were at least on good terms. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they started out immediately being like hating each other, but mm-hmm. the November 30th shooting is really when things started to, you know, pick up in terms of like, Hey, like these, I don't trust these guys. Mm-hmm. So just two months later in uh, February of 1995, Tupac started serving a prison sentence for sexual assault. Now, this had nothing to do with the shooting. This was something that was, I think that had already started even before the shootings happened. Mm-hmm. But um, so, okay. So now as of February, 1995, Tupac is now in prison. Um, so we're going to put that on the shelf for a minute, but we'll come back to that in a couple of minutes. A few days later, uh, February 20th, 1995, uh, Biggie Smalls released the song, Who Shot Ya?, and if you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's pretty widely believed that that's a diss song against Tupac. If Tupac already wasn't suspecting Biggie of being behind it, I'm sure he was p- pretty pissed off about this song. Um, yes. And since we're a music podcast, I figured we could play a little clip of this. Sounds good. Who shot ya? Separate the weak from the opsa. Leap hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. It's all nigga. Fuck all that bickering beef. I can hear sweat trickling down your cheek. Your heartbeat sound like Sasquatch's feet. Thundering, shaking the concrete. Then the shit stop when I fall. The I love Biggie. Yeah, I'm really torn about who I like more. <laughs> well, you have to choose, Kyla. Are you East Coast or West Coast? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm. Don't make me choose. I'm Midwest Coast. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, while Tupac, actually shortly after Tupac goes to prison, this song comes out and is basically poking fun at him. So understandably, I think he is pretty pissed off. Uh, later that year in August, um, The Source, which is which was a popular hip-hop journal at the time, um, held its second annual hip-hop music awards at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Um, Suge Knight, now if you remember, he was the head of the West Coast Death Road Records. And this is taking place in New York City, so keep that in mind. Um, he accepts the award for soundtrack of the year. I didn't actually see what album that was for, but he, fa- uh, you know, as he was accepting this award, he famously announced, "Quote: Any artist out there that want to be an artist and want to stay a star and don't want to have to worry about the executive producer being all in the videos, all on the records dancing, come to Death Row." I'd like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up. We ride with him. And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star and don't want to, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing, come to Death Rock. <laughs> so basically, he's in New York City being the head of the West Coast rap scene, and he's saying like, hey... If you're out there, you don't want to deal with a bunch of bullshit, you know, come be on our side. Mm-hmm. And not only is this on Puffy's turf, but Puffy's sitting in the audience watching this happen. So at the time, I think it was a fairly big deal. Just was like, oh, shit, like he's really throwing uh, gasoline on the fire here. Mm-hmm. But especially in hindsight, a lot of people say that that moment was really the first big spark with the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. So leading up to that, there was already some, you know, unsure feelings and kind of personal uh, feelings of distrust. But now this was more like, okay, now now you're really starting to up the ante a little bit here. Mm -hmm. The next month in September of 1995, the two of them, uh, Suge Knight and Puffy Comes, actually ended up at the same nightclub in Atlanta. And... Granted, this was only about a month and a half after that incident. You know, no surprise, uh, a confrontation breaks out between their both of their entourages. Um, and in the scuffle, um, Suge's main bodyguard was shot and killed. 
so now <laughs> basically the way he sees it is well you know i i did this shitty thing to sh- to uh to puffy now he and his team turns around and kills my main bodyguard so obviously things are not going any better you mm. know it just keeps getting worse yeah meanwhile throughout all of this tupac is still in jail i don't remember exactly how many years he was sentenced to i think it was several but you know he at this point he had only been i think he had only been in jail for about six months or so um but it, it reportedly he was having a terrible time obviously and he was trying to figure out how to get out the problem was that his bail was posted at 1.4 million dollars um so coming up with that kind of money is not easy um so he was trying to get his prison sentence appealed so that he can get out of there but that was taking too long so suge knight he actually approaches him while he's in jail and he says hey tupac i have this idea because at, at before this they had not been working together mm-hmm. he says if you come work for me and work for death row records in la um i'll get you out of here i'll, I'll, I'll post the bail um in exchange for that um you have to do three records for me with and for death row records and tupac says yeah i'll do that so he gets up so now suge knight has bought out tupac more or less mm-hmm. with this deal and um so at that point onward, Tupac really be, starts to become all in with the West Coast rap scene with that whole crew, basically. A um, couple months. So that was in October of 1995. Uh, in December, now, you know, if we're, if we're remembering back to the whole thing with the bodyguard being killed at the end of Atlanta nightclub, you know, obviously Suge is still pretty pissed off about that. So during a Christmas party, and I wasn't sure exactly who was holding this Christmas party. Suge Knight and Tupac and uh, I think some other guys from their crew during this party, they kidnapped a member of Puffy's crew, took him upstairs and were beating him. And they were trying to get the home address of Puffy's family, which is kind of terrifying to think about. Little Puffs. Um, What's that? Little Puffs. Little Puffs. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) you killed my bodyguard. Now I'm going to find the address of your family. Um, That's that's escalating things a bit. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So that's really... um, disconcerting to my knowledge i don't think anything much came of that i know there was like a police report from the guy who got beat up so i i don't to my knowledge i don't think they got the information out of him or how he got away or anything like that but so you can see now that tupac is not only recording for suge knight and death row but he's also becoming part of their kind of little crime circle as well so that was in december of 1995 Uh, Fast forward about six months or so into June of 1996. Tupac finally uh, releases a diss song toward Biggie, which is kind of in response to uh, Who Shot Ya, which we listened to a few minutes ago. So Tupac's song was called Hit Him Up. And so whereas the Biggie song was kind of like, yeah, I can kind of see that being about Tupac, but it's not like explicitly about him. Mm -hmm. In Tupac's song, he explicitly goes after Biggie and Puffy and the whole, all the, the East coast guys. And literally he's basically just saying like, fuck Biggie, fuck, fuck all of them. And I'm going to kill them all. And I slept with Biggie's wife. And it's like, there's no holding back at all. Mm-hmm. It's a very explicit in multiple ways. So obviously this is not helping matters at all. Things are just getting worse. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip of uh, hit him up by Tupac. Outside. Any of you niggas from New York that wanna bring it, bring it. But we ain't singing, we bringing drama. Fuck you and your motherfucking mama. We gonna kill all you motherfuckers. Now when I came out, I told you it was just about Biggie. Then everybody had to open their mouth with a motherfucker opinion. Well, this how we gonna do this. Fuck Mob Deep, fuck Biggie, fuck Bad Boy as a staff, record label, and as a motherfucking crew. And if you wanna be down with Bad Boy, then fuck you too. So that was in June. Uh, the next month in July... At, a, at Lakewood Mall, this is south of L.A. near Compton, um, mm. there was an incident in a Foot Locker store um, between the uh, the gangs, the Crips and the Bloods, who we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So basically what happened is the one of one of the Bloods who's part of the Death Row crew on, you know, the West Coast group, um, one of them was wearing a Death Row necklace, which was basically this prized possession of like the inner circle of that record label. And mm-hmm. like their gang or whoever. So like, I'm sure like Tupac had one. I'm sure Suge Knight obviously had one. So these are 
very valuable uh, valued possessions within this crew. If I remember correctly, they were they were gifts given by Suge Knight to uh, like his kind of trusted inner inner circle. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. So one one so these two gangs you know bump into each other basically in a, in a Footlocker, and one of the West Coast Death Row people is wearing this prize necklace. Well, something interesting about the the East Coast crew, the Crips, Puffyhead said, "Hey, if any of you can get a hold of one of the you know steal basically one of these prize possessions of their crew, uh, I'll give you five thousand bucks." <laughs> and so one of the Crips um, named Orlando Anderson actually was able to steal it from this guy. And obviously that, you know, at this point it was a lot more than just the money of mm-hmm. getting that. It was much, much more a, a status symbol of like, Hey, you know, you guys value this stuff or we just friggin' stole it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's kind of a mocking them basically. Yeah. Um, so these are really the events. I mean, like over the course of probably about a year and a half or so, Things are continuously, you know, slowly escalating over the months, and uh, you know, things things are uh, things have not been left in a good place. <laughs> no, and obviously the um, the death row guys were not happy at all that, that this necklace was stolen. At this point, um, Kyle, let's take a quick break. Let's take a okay. little bit of a breather, and when we come back, we will uh, we will get into the next events of this timeline, which are the actual murders themselves. Hey Kyle. Hey Peter. Do you know what a website is? No. It's a thing on the internet and you can go there and it's fun. Is that where I can find things to do? Yes, you can find things to do there. (laughs) Uh, Getyourfunk.com is a website for funk radio and there you can find our, our episodes there and you can listen to them and you can download them. And we have a tip jar. Do you like money, Kyle? I love money. Well, people will give us money there at getyourfunk.com. Yay! <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode of Funk Radio? I like the one about butts. Well, at getyourfunk.com, you can use the search bar and type in butts, and it'll pull up our episode that we did a while back about butts. Yay! And now back to our previously scheduled content. So that that last incident happened. I couldn't find an actual date on it anywhere, which is weird because everything else, like I, there's a specific date tied to it. But for that mm-hmm. Foot Locker incident, um, it was just in July sometime in 96. Mm-hmm. So a couple of months later in September of 96, September 7th to be exact, Tupac and Suge Knight um, attended a Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And during that fight, and actually, uh, I'll back up really quick and say that I guess um, they were pretty good friends of Mike Tyson, and Tupac even like recorded a song for Mike Tyson that was played like as he was walking out, and all that. So mm-hmm. they have oh they had thousand dollar seats as well. That's at this nice. fight. So that's pretty cool. They were they were living a, living the life. So I guess during the fight, um, there's this heated exchange between Suge and Tupac's entourage, and the Crips. Because they were also there. This was a pretty mm-hmm. big event. And so after the fight, you know, there's this huge crowd of people all leaving the, the, I guess you would call it a stadium, perhaps, mm-hmm. into the, you know, MGM Grand uh, Casino. Within this group of this whole crowd of people, Suge and Tupac, they're like, hey, shit, there's Orlando Anderson. You know, he was the guy who stole the necklace uh, mm-hmm. the a couple months ago. They're like... Let's go get him. So they they get the entire gang and they start, they basically attack him and they start beating him in the middle of this casino or hotel or whatever you want to call it. Security arrives fairly quickly. I mean, this this fight is on their security cameras. Um, mm-hmm. You can go see it if you want to. You know, their Tupac and personally is like beating up on this Orlando Anderson guy. And, you know, but obviously once the security arrives, they all kind of escape. And I, it, Funny enough, part of that story is amusing because basically Tupac got the crowd all riled up and was like basically used them as a shield against the security as he made his way out of the building. Because mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh shit, there's Tupac, let's go. Oh, like just like random like people in the casino got all like sl- starstruck and started. Yeah, well, they were because he was like, oh, come on, everybody. 
I'm Tupac. And they're like, oh shit, let's, let's all follow him. And so the security couldn't get to him and he got away. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I just want to run, run around. Hey, I'm Tupac. Follow me. <laughs> you can go to a casino and do that, Kyle. <laughs> so I couldn't figure out exactly what time that fight was, or, well, the, the Mike Tyson fight to be more specific, and or when that ended and when the other fight happened between the, the gangs. But um, mm-hmm. between about 10 and 11 p.m. that night, so I think it was this was probably a couple hours later, Sugar and Tupac got into their black BMW sedan, and they started driving to Suge's 662 Club in Vegas. Um, obviously, as a CEO of a, of a one of the biggest you know record companies, he was no stranger to uh, the club. And you know, he owned this 662 Club. The whole thing with that, if I remember correctly, is they were going to go down there. There was going to be like a charity event. Um, Tupac was going to be performing there. I think Mike Tyson was going to show up at some point. So there was this big like public event that was, you know, going to be happening there. So everybody knew that Tupac was going to be there. So they start um, making their way over there. Um, obviously, they're driving in the in the BMW. Uh, their security and entourage are following behind and at least six vehicles behind them. Um, mm-hmm. So there's this whole kind of caravan uh, driving down Las Vegas Boulevard uh, around eleven o'clock ish at night. So. During this, because uh, Suge is driving and Tupac is in the passenger seat, um, Suge gets pulled over by the police for blasting his music too loud, which is kind of a throwback to our previous episode about how loud is too loud for playing music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obviously, it was above 85 decibels. Obviously, Suge should know better. <laughs> um, I also read that he um, he was also pulled over for not having license plates in addition to playing the music too loud. Oh. Um, that's weird. Um, so during this, so while they're pulled over and they're talking with the cops and everything, s- some girls are there and they're like, oh my gosh, there's Shug, there's Tupac. And they're like, hey, come with us. We're going to the club, you know, join our caravan and we'll, you know, we'll meet you down there. So the girls follow in their own car. So roughly around 15 minutes after this, the whole caravan, they turn the corner down um, East Flamingo Road. And uh, not too long after they reach a red light at Koval Lane. Uh, so they're all, you know, waiting at the red light. At this moment, a white Cadillac sedan pulls up next to Suge and Tupac's car and fires nine bullets into the car at them. Um, four of them hit Tupac, twice in the chest, once in the arm, and once in the thigh. Suge is grazed, I think basically he's grazed on the head. Um, they say it was either from fragments of a bullet or it was shrapnel from the car when one of the bullets hit it. Either way, he got hit in the head basically, but... Um, I don't, I don't think it was too bad. Um, and we'll get more into that in a minute. Um, so basically there, the caravan is in this lane, all in stacked in this lane at the red light and the adjacent lane is this white Cadillac in front of the Cadillac is the car with the girls in it who are also following. They hear the gunshots and they're like, Oh crap. I think Tupac just got shot. So they take a right onto the, you know, and they're at the intersection. They take it onto the, on the other road to get out of there. The Cadillac takes the same route, takes that same corner, almost hits them in the process, and then makes starts making its getaway. Um, one of the uh, security vehicles from the entourage actually makes chase of this white Cadillac. They exchange some gunfire, but then the Cadillac gets away. Uh, meanwhile, so Suge is still conscious, obviously. He makes a U-turn in the middle of the street to get out of there, basically. He hits the median and blows out two of his tires, or at least, at least two of his tires. And their car comes to a stop not too far away back on Las Vegas Boulevard. So the police and the, obviously the police and the paramedics arrive pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And they take them both to the University Medical Center of South Nevada. And I think they said that this, where they ended up and got picked up by the cops and the paramedics was like a block from where this had all started, basically. I was just thinking, I'm like, the cops that had just pulled them over couldn't have been too far away at that point. Yeah. So, basically, there's this car full of bullet holes, these two guys that are in horrible shape. There's, like, multiple blown-out tires, and they come to a stop in the middle of the road. Obviously, something big has happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like I said, this was late at night on September the 7th. Uh, The next day, on September the 8th, uh, Suga's released from the hospital. Like I said, he got grace on the head, but I, obviously it wasn't 
bad enough to keep him there for more than overnight. Since the Cadillac was on the passenger side, Tupac was more in the direct line. I think obviously that was pretty intentional. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Suge gets out pretty quickly, but Tupac is continues to be in critical care in the hospital for another six days. And eventually on the 13th, he dies of respiratory failure and cardiac arrest and pronounced dead at 4.03 p.m. So, Tupac is dead. Mm. After all that. Interestingly, um, five so a little bit of events that followed this. Five months later in February of 1997... Um, Suge is actually charged for a felony violation due to his involvement in that fight in the MGM Grand. Remember, they were beating up on Orlando Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he got a felony violation for that, basically. And he was sent back to prison for five years. Oh. So he's so basically within this period of a couple of months, Tupac is dead. Suge Knight, his boss and best friend or whoever you want to call him, he's now in prison. So when you think about this from the East Coast perspective, they're like, well, shit. I mean, we basically won, (laughs) you know, because the two biggest names are now gone. Yeah. So throughout throughout these same months after Tupac's death, between uh, September of 96 and March of 97, you know, like I said, the East Coast crew, Biggie Smalls and all them were like, well, shit. Now we can come out to L.A. and, you know, things are pretty much safe. So they start coming out to L.A. fairly frequently to come shoot music videos. And a lot of what they were doing was producing not only music videos, but actually the album itself for um, his second studio album, uh, Life After Death. But what they didn't realize was that after Tupac's death, like the Crips and the Bloods were still going at it. Mm-hmm. And because of their affiliations with, you know, Tupac and Suge and all them, the, the gang war was at an all-time high at this point. And Biggie and his guys didn't really understand that when they kept going onto this turf of L.A., basically. So they're, mm-hmm. um, and I think the, the documentary phrases it like they didn't realize they were going right into the hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. So, so uh, shortly after Suge um, goes to prison, uh, on March 7th, 1997, Biggie Smalls and Puffy Combs attend the uh, Soul Train Music Awards in LA. And um, I, I think there was a little bit of controversy or like people were being like, hey, you know, what, West Side and all that. Because, you know, Biggie obviously was like the poster child of the East Coast rap. And um, so for them to be kind of prominent figures in this uh, award ceremony is, you know, going to stir up some issues. Mm-hmm. Now... I'm purposely not going into any any of the investigation in the Tupac's murder right now, because like I said, we're going to be covering all that stuff in the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. But needless to say, obviously, an investigation did go underway like immediately after this all happened. And the uh, like I said earlier in the episode, like there was a lot of theories and stuff that started like right from the beginning because people are like, oh, well, obviously it was the gang activity. People are like, oh, and obviously it was LAPD. So we'll get into that in more in the next episode. But, um, you know, just understand that there is that investigation going on during all this. So let's uh, let's take a little breather. I don't really know what we want to do because we only have one commercial that we've been playing for like two years. So I don't really want to play it again. <laughs> we should play a Pop-Tarts commercial. <laughs> do you really want me to find one <laughs> from you like YouTube or something? Sure. I don't know. Are they going to sue us? <laughs> Can we get free Pop-Tarts? No, it's free advertising, man. That's we could true. sue them. Sponsored by Pop Tarts. We can sue them. <laughs> we can sue them for not paying us for playing their commercial in our. Exactly. Tell you what. I um, that's how suing works. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of talking. Um, so uh, we will go ahead and play. Uh, we'll play audio from a Pop Tarts commercial. Apparently, that's what we're doing. And uh, maybe I'll throw in another one like Slinky or something just for the hell of it. Oh, heck yeah. It's, I forgot how the Slinky commercial goes. It's like, it goes down the stairs and gets in your hair, it's Slinky, or something. That's pretty close. <laughs> I think we actually, I think that was one of the ones we talked about in our um, Jingles episode a long time ago. I, th- I think you're right. Good stuff. Funk Radio, sponsored by Marlboro Lights. <laughs> Deep in the jungle lurks the dreaded wildberry. It's big. It's mean. It's never been seen. Until now. 
Kellogg's Pop-Tarts had what it took to tame the wild berry. Guts. Ah! New wild berry Pop-Tarts. Outside wild stripe frosting. Inside wild berry filling that can only be described as... Delicious! Well, I was going to say wild, but delicious is good. Part of your complete breakfast. New wild berry Pop-Tarts. You may want to bite them before they bite you. Slinky toys are fun toys. What walks downstairs alone or in pairs and makes a slinkity sound. A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows it's slinky. It gives a big lift when wrapped as a gift. A very likable toy. It's falling in place, brings smiles to your face. Something kids can enjoy. It's slinkies, they're slinkies. Really wonderful toys. They're slinkies, they're slinkies. They're fun for girls and boys. Slinky, Slinky Dog, Slinky Mobile, all Slinky toys sold separately by James Industries. So, um, like we said, we just covered all the events of um, Tupac's murder. To recap, that happened uh, that happened on the night of September 7th, 1996. Suge Knight went to prison on February 28th of 97. Um, March 7th, Biggie Smalls and Puffy comes throughout this award ceremony. People weren't too happy about that. So the uh, the next night on March 8th, Biggie and Puffy and their whole, you know, their whole entourage, all of them, they attended a party at the Peterson Automotive Museum in L.A. Um, and this party was hosted by Vibe magazine. And uh, so this was a huge party. There were celebrities there. They were unsurprisingly members of both the Crips and the Bloods there because of how, you know, much hype there was for this party. Um, they ended up with twice as many people there as they were expecting. And so security was understaffed and there was, in addition to the party being overcrowded, there was a huge crowd of people outside trying to get in and they were all getting frustrated. So, you know, way too many people, not enough security, gang members are there. Obviously people are going to get, things are not going to go well. You know, this mm-hmm. is not a good thing. I'm good at talking. <laughs> the, uh, so uh, p- part of the whole point of this party was to promote Biggie's new hit single, Hypnotize, which is one of his best-known songs. That had just come out a few days earlier. Mm. Um, And apparently they were... I don't know if they were playing this on repeat or if they were just playing it periodically throughout the party. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was going quite a bit. So I want to play a clip of this song because it's pretty good. I like this song. Yeah. Recently niggas frontin' ain't saying nothing So I just speak my peace, keep on, my peace Cubans with the Jesus peace, with you. my peace Packin', askin' who want it This got it, nigga flaunt it That Brooklyn bullshit, we on it Biggie, 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 can't you see Sometimes your words just hypnotize me And I just love your So, similar to um, Tupac's whole thing On the, you know, with the Mike Tyson fight Biggie's having a pretty good time. He's at a party where they're blasting his new song. All his friends are there. So I don't remember exactly what time that party started. I want to, it was like, I think it was around 8 p.m. or something. Around mm-hmm. 11 p.m., the fire marshal calls the LAPD because of this massive crowd of people. And like I said, uh, you know, people are getting impatient. There's too many. There's gang members there. Like things are starting to slowly get out of control. So. Um, about an hour later at 12 a.m., uh, now, now we're going flipping into the morning of uh, March 9th. The fire marshal shuts down the party entirely around midnight. It uh, it took them uh, quite a while to get out of the building back to their car because like there were so many freaking people there. So it took them about mm-hmm. a half hour-ish. Around 12.30 in the morning, uh, Biggie and Puffy go outside. They're getting their car pulled out from the valet or whatever or whatever yeah yeah while they're waiting there some of the members of their entourage are like you know there's some suspicious looking guys hanging around this parking lot and they're like staring us down this is pretty sketchy but anyway about 15 minutes later um they you know they got in their cars and they all started to pull away from this party so this building uh the peterson automotive museum is on the corner of uh fairfax avenue and uh, Wilshire Boulevard. So they pulled out onto Fairfax. There's three SUVs in this uh, convoy. Um, Biggie is sitting in the front passenger seat of the second vehicle. They quickly, you know, end up at the red light at Wilshire Boulevard on the corner of, you know, at this building. And um, 
again, similar to the Tupac thing, while they're waiting for a red light, a dark colored um, Chevy Impala pulls up alongside the passenger side of Beggy's vehicle and fires several several shots into um, his vehicle and at him um, with a semi-automatic pistol. Um, Biggie's mm-hmm. ultimately hit four times. And again, similar to the other one, uh, the driver speeds right onto Wilshire Boulevard and uh, one of Biggie's vehicles makes chase, um, but the shooter gets away. Um, it's weird how similar these two events are. I was going to say, if I was like any famous rapper after the death of these two, I would just always drive my own car. Apparently, <laughs> be on the right side. Gets you, gets you shot. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. But again, it's you know it's really too bad for you know for the the East Coast guys, Biggies, because like they had this false sense of security that they exactly. were fine now that Tupac was dead. But obviously, you know that was not the case. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so the so this shooter gets away pretty much immediately. Biggies unresponsive after this happens, so they rush him to the Cedars Sinai Medical Center in Beverly Hills. I think it only took him about five minutes to get there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. This particular one's a bit more, uh, what's the word, urgent, I guess, than Tupac, because like you said, he was pretty much unresponsive, whereas I think Tupac, even though he was shot at the time, he was still conscious and able to talk. Yeah, so unlike um, unlike Tupac's situation where he lasted six days, basically Biggie was pronounced dead, more or less, on arrival at the hospital. This was around one uh, fifteen in the morning. On uh, March 9th. The doctors performed an autopsy at the time, but interestingly, I read that it wasn't publicly released until 15 years later in 2012. So the particulars of his autopsy have only been around for about five years. Apparently, three of the four shots were not fatal. They hit him in various places. I didn't write that down, but the fourth one entered through his right hip and struck several vital organs, including his colon, liver, heart, and his left lung. Um. So it was really, it was that one bullet that really did the job. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest names now in both West Coast and East Coast rap are both gunned down in public in strangely similar circumstances. Yeah. I mean, yes, and I would say yes and no. Uh, drive by shootings are kind of the MO of both of those gangs. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's, so that's, that's not, a fair, it's, not a bad point. Yeah, it's sad, but that's often how they kind of orchestrated attacks because you know it's easy to just you know randomly fire at someone and then immediately drive away yeah you're already in the getaway vehicle (laughs) yeah that's a good point and even knowing that though it's just it's it's interesting how how similar the two situations were Mm -hmm. like i said we won't get into the investigation in this episode but obviously pretty much immediately they were like okay we're pretty sure this is connected with the tupac thing you know, it didn't take them any time at all to really piece that together. Mm-hmm. The only the thing is that they had no idea how they were connected and who did either of these murders or why there was so much that was um, just unknown about this. So it, it was a it was an uphill battle from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as we'll see in the next episode, too, um, a lot of the difficulty that they had with figuring out what happened was because these are such like deeply ingrained gang affiliations basically um and everybody close to these people you know they're either not going to talk to the cops or as happened increasingly as the years went on with this investigation people were just dead like they were like oh this guy could be a good lead and give us some information oh wait he was shot in another gang murder at this other time Mm-hmm. So that increasingly became a problem of people not cooperating, people giving them incorrect or falsified information, and people just being dead and not being able to help at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will get much into more detail on that next next time because this is the end of uh, part one. Yay! <laughs> not not really ending on a happy note, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's good that we kind of laid out the, I guess known evidence of the murders before we get into kind of more of the like i don't want to call them conspiracy theories but more of the kind of circumstantial evidence um around the two of them in the next episode yeah i'm i'm um it's a little daunting 
it, this one was took a lot of work, but I think the second one's going to be daunting as well. Just to oh, try to sure. pare, pare that one down to yeah. something that's reasonable. But I think we can do it. And well, we have to now. We're halfway done. Yeah. Episode's canceled, guys. We're going to talk about uh, music for dogs instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just as a, I guess, closing out the, the episode for now, Kyle, I mean, any uh, any notes you want to touch on? I I feel bad for Tupac because, like, in this situation, it's almost like he was ki- kind of recruited by Suge Knight in, like, this war between East Coast and West Coast that, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I get that he had this distrust of Biggie after, you know, he was robbed or whatever mm-hmm. when he was in New York, but I feel like Suge Knight kind of played on that to kind of recruit him in his oh, like, yeah. personal vendetta, you know? I I think that's absolutely the case. And, you know, uh, obviously Tupac embraced that whole thing. Yeah. On yeah. his own volition. But I think something that I've heard is that, like, he... Tupac didn't go into this whole situation, like, already being affiliated with gangs. I think that really happened once Suge Knight brought him on and he started mm-hmm. rolling with the Death Row Records uh, yeah, fun, crew. fun, fun, random fact with Tupac. His mother was pretty affiliated with the Black Panthers and very much like a political radical, which kind of mm-hmm. influenced a lot of his thinking. I don't think I knew that. Something to me that's pretty interesting, I guess we didn't really touch on this, is that um, they were both fairly young when they died. Tupac was 25 oh, yeah. and Biggie was 24. Oh, yeah. You, you, you think of them. Uh, as being so well established in the rap scene, which they were, uh, I just you—it's you, weird to think of them as being that young when this all happens. Yeah, I know. I mean, Biggie, Biggie's got kind of like that old man face too. He doesn't look young. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, look forward to look forward, listeners, to episode two of the Tupac and Biggie Biggie Murders, brought to you by Funk Crime Radio and Slinky and Slinky and Pop Tarts. <laughs> I can't believe we fucking did that. That was so weird. Slinky Pop Tarts. Combine the two. I just, that's the image of you throwing this box of Pop Tarts down the stairs. Why won't it go? <laughs> why, won't, why won't they go down the stairs and just like. Oh, God. This is uh, disintegrating quickly. Yes. Just like a Pop Tart. Sure. Um. So if you, uh, if you listeners have any further thoughts about uh, things so far with this topic um, let us know on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash get your funk if the second part of this topic is already released by the time you listen to this you can go find it at getyourfunk.com along with all of our other episodes if it's not released yet well you can uh, you in the meantime you can listen to some of our other episodes as you wait to hear about the uh, exciting conclusion of the Tupac and Biggie murders. Yay. Thanks for listening. We will uh, we will be back soon with more things. Bye, we love you. Bye. <laughs>